say good black don't crack, they're not wrong. What's your secret? But if we think that to look better is to certainly get a better spirit in our heart and uh, to work every day to become a better wife, a better mother, a better friend, a better sister, then those values and attributes alone will make us more beautiful than we are now. Fear it, own it. Take a minute and know that you are this power. Put out the fire that our ancestors lit that carried us. Teach our children to claim their destiny. I say it's in the reach of my arm, the span of my hips, the stride of my step, the curl of my lips. I'm a woman. Phenomenal. How can fat girl be the best anything when cat woman is around? You know exactly who I am and what I'm capable of. Just like I know exactly what you are. All right. All right. Good evening, Divine Femininity. All the ladies in the group, thank you all for joining this evening for us to start these um, hot topics this Sunday evening. Um, I want to welcome you all, the listeners. Um, to join for joining on the Wake Up Radio with myself and these beautiful empresses. Um, I'm gonna go around the room briefly and let everybody introduce themselves. I am Jackie Q, your host for tonight. Um, wish me well. <laughs> I hope these nerves don't kick in, but we're gonna keep going. Um, we have Sister Maxine in the house, Sister Angie, Sister Tareen, and of course, we all know the beautiful and wonderfully talented um, Empress Cindy. And thank you all for joining tonight. Sister Maxine, I'm going to start with you. Just tell the people a little bit about yourself. Hello, everyone. Good evening. And again, my name is Maxine from Ministry and Wellness. I am a health and wellness advocate, and I specialize in alternative solutions for pain and discomfort and also detox. So I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you, sis, for that. Sister Angie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Angie. Um, I also have a show on the Wake Up Radio with Cindy, and it's called Thoughts of a Light-Skinned Woman. That's beautiful. Thank you for that, sister. And Sister Toreen, thank you and welcome back. Tell the people a little bit about yourself. Hi, everyone. So my name is Toreen, um, and I am a licensed New Jersey insurance agent. And I'm also um, in training to be a financial advisor. And I sing as well. I sing and I write music. So yeah, I'm, you know, I'm glad to be here. I'm, I'm glad to be here. And to put my input, my input on some of the topics that we will be discussing tonight. And, and yeah. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. I'll just tell you all a little bit about myself. I'm Jackie Q, um, mother of three beautiful uh, queens. Um, they're the lights of my life. I'm also a business owner. I sell hair, skin, and wellness products as well as my oldest daughter's art, because she's amazing. And uh, just doing a lot of uh, little projects here and there, you know, on the behalf of our people and moving ahead. And I welcome you all. Um, thank you all for joining. All of our listeners, you can check us out on the Wake Up Radio at onthewakeupradio.com. And you can also call in if you have any questions or wanna chime in with the conversation that we're having tonight, you can call in at 
1-800-273-4433. So let's get this started. Tonight, we are talking about things, the things that we avoid that cause the void. And Sister Cindy, I think she has a video clip for us. We're going to go ahead and move forward. Most people know the common five to seven stages of grief. Shock, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, testing, and acceptance. Everyone experiences these stages in entirely different ways. While you're grieving, many people will tell you something along the lines of, stay strong, or it'll get better. While those are predictable and well-intentioned things to say in an attempt to comfort someone, they're not always true. When I was younger, I experienced more than my fair share of grief. And after years of reflection, I've come to understand that there is more to grieving than most people realize. I would like to share with you five things about grieving that I desperately wish someone would have shared with me. One, we grieve for more than the dead. Yes, the death of a human being is the most common source of grief, but it's not the only one. You can experience the whole force of grief for anything important to you. You can grieve the loss of a pet. You can mourn the loss of a sentimental object, the loss of a beloved place, or of any kind of relationship or connection. Nothing has to die in order for you to go into mourning. There can be grief for a friendship that has just drifted apart or for the ending of your favorite book series, a home that you've had to move away from. You can grieve for yourself. When you grow and change as a person, pieces can be left behind. Old bits of a personality and mannerisms that we can ache for all the same. Whenever something is lost, no matter what, no matter why, and it causes pain in its absence, that is grief. Two, just stay strong typically goes hand in hand with the denial phase of grief. It's when you're told that despite all the terrible things happening to you, you must stay strong and overcome it. What is not said is that just stay strong should mean when you're done properly grieving, you will still be alive. This will not kill you. You are stronger than your tragedy. Instead of pretend like nothing's wrong, don't let your tragedy affect you. Just keep living regardless. Denial is usually said to be the first or second stage of grief. If you find yourself stuck there, you will never eventually get to acceptance, and you will never really be out of your cycle of grief. It's okay to not be strong. That's what people should tell you when you're beginning to grieve. It's all right to cry, to scream, to take time away. It's understandable to feel weak for a bit, so long as you learn to let that weakness go. You do not have to stay strong. If you do, moving on may become difficult. Weakness and vulnerability is part of the grieving process, and it should be accepted. Three, there should be a guilt phase of grief. Often when we lose something, those of us that are still here feel a sense of guilt. Some people feel left behind. Some feel survivor's guilt, in which they believe they should also be gone or should have died in the other's place. Some simply regret what they missed out on before the end. They regret something they said or did or the lack thereof. We find a way to place the blame on ourselves, find a way to make circumstances our fault, even when it's not. Facing death often precedes a reevaluation of life. It's only natural that we question things in our time of grief. It's normal to find regrets. You're always going to feel like you could have done something. 
You're not weird or unhealthy to feel a sense of guilt, but you need to learn to let it go eventually. There's nothing to gain from holding on to it. Instead, turn that guilt into nutriment for what is still alive. Learn from your regrets and use them as a guide to ensure that you live the life you have to the fullest. Four, time means little to the act of grieving. It does not heal all wounds, but merely smooths them over, making it easier to forget their presence. It'll get better is nice, though not necessarily true. And that's okay. There are some things that'll never really go away. Some scars never fade, but that's a fact of life and part of you. It's normal to still be haunted by things that happened long ago, to still grieve years later, to not be down on yourself for being emotionally caught up in the past sometimes. You can't just ignore trauma and tragedy and hope that it'll go away. Nothing fixes itself. To heal requires treatment, whether that be through outside assistance or internal reflection. Acceptance will not just roll around to you. You have to get there yourself. Five, acceptance is more complicated than just admitting to a loss. Acceptance is not a finish line. There is no real finish line with grieving because grief is not a marathon. Rather than a straight shot to the end, it's a winding and confusing maze. Nor is it a one and done thing. More than likely, you will find yourself going through the cycle of grief several times throughout your life. And chances are, you will grieve the same thing more than once. You can regress, and that's perfectly okay. You could be done with grieving for years when suddenly something triggers you and you have to go through it all over again. This usually happens if you did not let yourself grieve properly the first time, but it can still happen to those that have had the proper closure. We're never really done with grieving. We will grieve for as long as we live. The cycle of grief goes hand in hand with the cycle of life, but that is nothing to be afraid of. In order to accept our losses, we must accept the cycle of grief for all that it is. Okay. Um, that was heavy. Um, I, I know that everyone in this room was touched by that and because we've all experienced that. And um, just so we can go ahead and delve into the topic, because a lot of us don't want to touch this topic sometimes. I know sometimes I don't, but I will share. I uh, recently experienced the absolute worst grief and grieving period of my life when I lost my dad. And I'm trying not to get emotional, <laughs> but it is what it is, it's life. Um, I've heard of people grieving and getting so lost in grief that you lose yourself. And that's what I experienced. There were days uh, that you, you could have asked me my name and I couldn't tell you. I was in a complete fog because it felt like uh, being snatched out of the world that you know, that you've known all your life, that comfort um, to, to have this pillar of strength that you so look up to as a little girl. And even as a young woman, um, my dad was my best friend and there was nothing we couldn't talk about. And uh, two weeks prior to his passing, I was grieving the loss of my older sister 
which I was there when she transitioned. And it was a lasting memory. Uh, and I was warring about whether I should have been there to see it go or should I not have or, you know. So when my dad took ill, I became nervous because I knew, I knew what that grief felt like losing my older sister and I didn't want to go there again. So when he became sick, anxiety times 10. And um, two weeks prior, it was my sister's birthday, August 21st. And I always honor her. I send up LED balloons at 8.21 PM. I ran out of oxygen. I ran out of helium, I'm sorry. And I lost it. I had no idea that I was still carrying that amount of grief because it had already been about two, two and a half years. But I broke out of nowhere in front of my oldest daughter. She calls my dad. He gets on the phone. Of course, that's my dad to encourage me. He says, hey, look, listen. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me good. We are all born to die. And whether you like it or not, you're going to see much more death. Get used to it. Had no idea what he was talking about. I thought it was cold. I was broken. I needed compassion. But he kept it real. And not until my other sister passed away last year, July 22nd, and I refused to go back into that place of darkness and losing my dad, did I know what he meant when he said, we are all born to die. It's the equivalent of having to leave for me to live, for my kids to live. He had to go. And that is eternal life. So I just wanted to share that experience. And this video, you know, made a lot of sense for me because I didn't know that even small things we can carry and grieve over. But now I do know, like things. Um, so it's, it's some work that I have to do in healing still. Um, and knowing that, you know, grief never ends. Um, once you've lost something so significant, it's lost. And the lifeline is broken in the flesh. But in the spiritual, you're always connected. So I allow my father, my sisters to just shine through me and I continue to live on and make sure that, you know, we live out this, this legacy of theirs if, if I continue it. So that's the saving grace for me to keep moving and get up every day for them. So I'm any of you sisters want to chime in? Um, I'm sure we all uh, have plenty of experience. So, um, you know, sometimes you it's unresolved, right? Because we, we go through it and then we shed the tears and then, but it shows back up like a ghost. And um, when my grandmother passed, it took a while. I'd have moments where, like, I'm laying on the bed and feel like somebody's sitting on the bed. And that's the thing she used to do. I, I didn't know if I was having, like, a moment, placebo moments. Um, but then, let's take a pet. I had a dog. My dog, she was about nine years old, and she, uh, she had cancer. This was March. This was March. And it's funny. She had it all through 2020, but I thought it was just, like, something in her mouth. Took it to the vet. They were going to do the surgery. And I remember going in there and the doctor saying, well, you know, these could be the problems, but she'll be okay. And I went, I spoke to her, 
and she had tears in her eyes. Right, a dog went tears. And when I was walking, and she was supposed to go in, she turned around and she looked at me, and I said to her, "I'm gonna be back for you, baby. I'm gonna be back, be back for you, Oreo." And that night they was like, "Oh, the surgery was good. We just want to keep her." I said, "Okay, oh, this is good." Cause she had cancer, like um, her tooth, and then like in her throat. And the next morning, the doctor goes, "Well, everything was a success. By the way, she passed away last night." And I was stuck. First of all, how you gonna put a sentence like that together? And I thought to myself, I didn't lie to her because I told her I was coming back. <laughs> right? I said I'm coming back. And so now they was like, "Do you want to see her?" And I went back with her leash. Like I was going to pick her up. And when I got there, she was laying there. And I said, you could come home with me now. Like that. And so I know that feeling of like, because you're never like, when you lose somebody or something or someone, or you feel like you've lost a part of yourself. And it's okay, because she's in a better place, because she was in a lot of pain. Many shows I've done, she's screaming in the back, and you could hear her pain. So I just, if anybody's listening, it's, yeah, it's a part of life. Like your daddy said, we're just born, we're born to die. And then they ascend. They go to the next level. Because you never really die. We never really die. Death is rebirth. And so that's all I got to say. Thank you. Thank you for sharing and for sending. Um, you know, I, I have my baby, my angel. Our pets are our babies. Um, they become a part of the family and we love them the same. Um, it, it's, you know, it's all painful, it's hurtful, it's heartbreaking um, life because we know that there's life and death and that is the cycle. Um, and the death is the hardest part to, to deal with and to live with. Um, but we have to learn how to keep living um, in their honor. Um, and that's how I get through it, just living in their honor. Sister Toraine, would you like to speak? Um, yes. I'm currently in the process of grieving, as you guys know. Um, I'm the type of person that... I do hold a lot of pain in, um, but I'm learning to just, you know, let things go. Sometimes like you have to just release your tears, right? Um, I am a mother too. My oldest is special needs and my youngest is 10. And I have to stay strong for them. You know, I can't, the pain that I've experienced within the last year, I lost all of my grandparents in the last year. And my first grandmother that passed away was right in the middle of a shutdown during COVID. And I couldn't even allow myself to grieve that because I thought it was just gonna take me somewhere else mentally because I wasn't able to see her you know, her last few days because of the restrictions on the hospital. 
And she was always calling and, and asking for me. And, you know, I wasn't always able to be there when she wanted me to because with my oldest being special needs, you know, I had to make sure that she's okay in order for me to, like, you know, do things and go places. But, um, yes, it, it is it is a tough process. Um, and it's not easy and it does take time. Um, I feel like the best way to get over grief is knowing that you're grieving and knowing that whoever it is that you lost, um, it was either their time to go or they're no longer suffering, right? Uh, we've gained an ancestor or we've gained another angel, you know, to protect us and and watch over us. And, and those are the things that I keep in mind to keep me strong. Okay. After listening to that video, they were mentioning that, you know, grief doesn't always have to be death. I grieve for my oldest daughter every day because she has special needs. She can't communicate the way that we do. So I've had her in early intervention ever since she was six months. And because of that, she's very smart. She's very intelligent. She understands things just as well as we do. She just can't communicate and express herself the way that we do. But it only took one time that she was just crying so hard because she wanted to, once I had my youngest daughter, she started slipping into depression at seven years old because she was jealous that she couldn't, you know, tell me the same things that she wanted to tell me like my youngest daughter. And when she broke down this one day, like I just, as much as I try to stay strong for you, for her, I, I couldn't that time because it literally just ripped my heart out my chest because like I couldn't give her, I couldn't get that direct communication with her. It was just all emotion, you know? And I'm an empath. So like when people are going through things, I feel it, like literally. A person can say that they have a sharp pain in their side. And as long as I allow myself to connect with it, I feel like I can feel that same exact pain that yeah. they have, you know? Sometimes I feel like we need each other to, to take the load off of what we deal with on we a daily. People don't understand how important it is to just, even if a person isn't telling you everything that's going on in their life, it means a lot to check up on someone and just to say, hey, I was thinking about you. People don't understand how, how much that just goes a long way. You know, everybody's yeah. not going to feel comfortable with telling you everything that they're going through. And us as humans, we should know that. You know, I feel like it's important for us to check on each other from time to time, you know, just to make sure everything is good. Hey, sis. Hey, brother, how you doing? You know, how was your week? You know, even if they don't want to say how their week was, if it was, if it was good or bad, they know that you reached out to them. You know, yeah. it's necessary to check on each other. Um, I had no one. Not a soul. Check on me. I sat in darkness and in silence for months. And it built my strength. It built my character more than anything else. And I appreciate the lesson that I learned. 
um, in the midst of grief, um, there was something to learn out of that. And, um, but it's definitely important, especially in this group of women and as sisters, because we are nurturers and we are the caretakers of the village. It is necessary for us to make sure that we keep each other uplifted because we take care of the children. It's us. So, um, and I thank you so much, Sister Termine, for sharing. And, you know, we send our energy, our, our love and light to you, our strength to you. Um, I'll share some of mine. Because <laughs> I, thank you. Trust me when I tell you, I came out of that experience like a beast. I refused to go back. But it forced me to learn what life was about, what life and death was about and how we treat others while they're here. So um, that is the, the strength that you gain from going through grief as well. We grow stronger. And Sister Angie, did you have anything that you wanted to add? Well, I just wanted to say, I mean, I've, I've lost like family, friends, and probably just people, I guess, well, I've known some people and then there's people just like on Facebook, you know, when you become friends, you. You get to see like, you know, them on there from time to time. And then you you see people posting that so-and-so passed away. Um, and it's kind of heartbreaking. I think with me, what I've learned is like, I see things differently when I think about when, you know, someone passes away because I'm like, like what we're talking about. It's one of those things of like checking up on people and, and just trying to enjoy life as much as you can because, you know, tomorrow is never guaranteed and that's why i'm always so i don't know how to explain it but i just have a moment with people where i'm just like it's kind of like you know like we're here now like why are we being such assholes to each other sometimes like we don't know what can happen from today to tomorrow you know yeah so i yeah i've just been looking at things differently when it comes to that and i just i look at the bigger picture it's just like you know i'm here now i want to do the best and, and as much as i can before i leave or and like what you said, just reaching out to people and just checking up on them to make sure, because you never know. I think it's going to happen like in the split of a second. So here today, gone tomorrow. Our tomorrows are not promised. You know, sometimes we take that for granted. Um, Sister Maxine. Yes. Um, first, Tyreen, I just want to give my deepest condolences, you know, to your recent loss, you know, and my heart is with you and to you, Sister Jackie, for, you know, the relationship that you have with your dad and your sisters and your losses. I have not felt that type of loss as of yet, but I have dealt with so many different losses in my family to the loss of children, to the loss of my two aunts recently. And one thing that you all said that resonated is that it's so, so important to put yourself in a place to be a a real support for those around you. Don't ask, just do. That's, that's where I put myself on the side of death with my family. I just do it. I know what now needs to be done and I just handle it for them because while they're grieving, they need this other thing taken care of. And that's a relief for me to giving back to those who are, are grieving. Thank God my mom and my father are still with us. You know, I, I haven't had relationships with my with my paternal or maternal grandmother that way. But like I said, my heart, because I'm an empath also, 
you know, making sure that I'm doing my due diligence for my loved ones. Like I got you. And I check on them and check on their families. I could tell you very quickly, the bit, one of the biggest losses was when my stepsister was killed. I remember that day when she got killed, I was at work and I'm not going to lie to you. I was sitting at my desk and it felt like I couldn't see him and like a bunch of needles went in my head. It was crazy. It was a weird headache. And I told my boss, I'm going home. I'm going home. I don't know what's wrong with me. And so when I was on my way home, I got the call that she was hit by a, a, a truck, a Mack truck. Got to my dad's house and found out she was actually killed. And let me tell you, I screamed, I screamed. I don't think I ever felt that loss. And, and I can tell you, it was not just for the loss of her, but she had three small children. A newborn that was only six months old, a two-year-old and her oldest son was five. It was devastating. And so, um, but I agree, but what I did was I turned it around and I worked to help raise those boys. Any chance I got to take them, I took them all. I, it was all at my house. I, I don't care if I had $5 in my pocket. Get them, let me get them, come on, let's go. And that's what's important. So that's what I would tell people. It's not here today, it's here, like you said, it's over, it's a period of time. You lose your someone today, but you're you we're living every day and you need support every day. Yes. Absolutely. So, yeah, so that's that's where I am with that. And I and I love all of you and I just my heart is always with you with your with your continuous loss and grieving because I know that's an ongoing process. Thank you. Thank you, Queen, for that. Yes. And we appreciate you for you stepping in and taking care of the boys. You know, our charge in life is to take care of the fatherless and the widowed. That is everyone's responsibility, whether we know it or not. The fatherless, the motherless, and the widowed. So thank you all for sharing. That was a heavy topic. <laughs> but um, it's good to talk about those things because you never know when someone else is going through. And we're going to just go on and move to our next hot topic. Now, this one, <laughs> this one, ladies, I know some of you have had those mother-in-laws from hell, <laughs> but we love them still because we love their sons. And we're just going to lead into this. What's the best way to deal with an unpleasant mother-in-law? When it comes to the mother-in-law, we don't need to get involved. Lean back and let your man be the man and say, hey, mom, you want to see me and the grandchildren? Mind your own business. Stop giving orders. Stop taking control of the house. A lot of these men, they're afraid to say, your wife is your number one priority. Tell your mother to step up in a respectful way. Good. The last thing Good. you need to do is have the man, Siggy, say anything to his mother. You're going to do it? He can't handle it, a fight with you, much less his mother and you. <laughs> no, no, no. Tell Take me. the high road. Love her into a relationship. She, I'm telling you, I have seen it and seen it. Don't step in between a man and his mama. Just let her run it. Take the high road. Okay. Kill her with kindness. Okay. Kill her with yeah. kindness. But what if you can? But be praying to God that he intervened. So if and you tried comes, and you tried and you tried and you can't, it'll work. Prayer doesn't work. You prayer works, honey. Prayer works. Step up and be the man. Okay. Why can't you do it together? No, she didn't. No. She didn't. She didn't mean it like that. She no. meant prayer don't work. Prayer don't work in all situations. <laughs> no, I don't prayer works for everything. <laughs> 
No. Put me in that situation when you got an overbearing in-law. I got to protect her. When my hood rolls up. Prayer works for everything. This ain't even on the subject no more. All right, Rachel. I feel like... Let me try to find something in common yes, with her work on the to move forward, which is her son, right? She Beautiful. loves her son. That's so, like, great. move, lead with yes. that first. That's, like, that's what I was trying to do. I'm just saying, like, if I left it to Travis... <laughs> if I left it, Steve, if I left it to Travis to fix anything <laughs> with any woman about anything, he'd be like, uh... He don't know. <laughs> Yeah. So I got to I got to put that olive branch out there. I got to right. love her into a relationship. Because let, let me say this. Men who love their mother, and most real men do. They do. Most men who have a problem with their mother, you see. should probably leave them. Because if you... Any man that has a problem with the first woman he ever loved, which is his mama, and then broke up with her, you next. I agree. So just understand that. But here's the deal. Most men hold their mother in a certain reverence. It's hard to knock that down. Right. Go over there and tell her, oh. hey man, my, my mother passed when I was 40. When I, to that, to this, to that day, I was her, I was her boy. Baby. I was her boy. Boy, come in here. Mm. I, I'm on TV. <laughs> I got some money. He don't care. If you get your man involved, he going to short circuit because he can't. It's his mother. Now, he can't, he should say, as she suggested, mm -hmm. Mom, come on now. Yeah. Come on now. I, this is, give her a chance. She's really a sweet woman. She's great for me. I love her. I want you to give her a chance. She good to me like you've been good to me. You know, and then just get on out the way. And then you got to do some of what Rachel said. Yeah. You got to find something in common. Hell, all y'all like to shout. That's right. <laughs> Okay, so we good with that one? We're gonna pray about it. Plan <laughs> yeah. fix everything. <laughs> you saw how them black people in the audience look? They was like, ooh, did she just say prayer don't work? <laughs> prayer <laughs> fix everything. <laughs> well, well, I will say this, ladies. I was blessed to have the sweetest mother-in-law. When I tell you this lady was just so sweet. She used to she used to be a teacher, an elementary teacher, and and she integrated like was one of the first teachers to integrate fourth and fifth grade together here in DC. Um, the, her, my father-in-law was an educator, principal, football coach, so DC loved them. So it was very easy for me to come in and see her heart. Um, at the time when I met her, she was a stroke victim. Um, she was ill uh, and elderly. And it took nothing for me to come in and give her the same love, support that she gave to so many children here in the area. So she was awesome. So um, I didn't get that experience, but I have some girlfriends that are like, you know, I want to, she got to go. She got to get up out of my house. <laughs> Can anybody else chime in? Has anybody else had any experiences with their mother-in-laws? 
So I, I, I've been fortunate. I've got, you know, a cool mother-in-law. But before that, I was dating a guy that I really, really, oh, my God, he was, he was amazing. He had a little bit of sabotage issues. But I remember going to Harlem to hang out with him this, in my college days. And I, he was just like, we're going to get married. And I was like, I, so now I get to meet his mother. And I went to the house. And we were there. And they had like a million roaches, y'all. And he wanted me to spend the night. And I was like, um, I grew up in Brooklyn, but we don't, you know, my we laid the boric acid. You know what I'm saying? We didn't, I understand how apartments work, but we didn't, we was like, you stay on that side of the neighborhood. We ain't doing that here. And I remember saying to him, let's go to the store. Let me get some ammonia. Let me get some cleaning supplies. And I started to clean. Well, he said his mother had a back injury. And the only time she went out was when she got her check every month to go to the casino and get her whatever. I, I ain't sweated. And I cleaned and I was like, okay, I can spend the night. And I left the next day and he said to me, I need to talk to you. I said, what happened? He said, my mama said I should leave you. I said, well, what I do? She said, you too bougie. How you going to come up in the house and clean the house? I said, well, I do love him, but this ain't going to work. Do you get what I'm saying? This ain't going to work. I can't have your mother back biting me. I'm, I'm trying to help her out. But nonetheless, I, it, it didn't work. It didn't work because he's the kind of person that, you know, I'm going on a job interview, miss it. But there were things that he told me his mother would do. So now y'all remember Kaiser Sose in um, Unusual Suspect when he unfolded? His mother, from since he was five years old, had him go down to the welfare office and pretend to be mentally handicapped. He had to put on that act for 18 years and because she wanted her check. His mother was diabolical, but he played in and one. How do you explain that you could play and one sports? He had a scholarship for basketball, but she was like, don't you mess up my money. And I just was like, I really loved him as a person, but it was what came with it. And so that couldn't be my mother-in-law because it was, it was just too, she was just too diabolical. And yes, you could love somebody, but that was my thing. I would need a relationship with your mother. I do want to respect the woman that birthed you. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> Cracking up over here. <laughs> Listen, that right there was everything for me <laughs> because you were not getting ready to go into that woman's house and outshine her and the shit that she had took years to set up just as she wanted it so she could manipulate the hell out of her kids. That's what she was not having it. So yeah, you came in and cleaned and she was like, uh-oh, that's going to be a problem. I'm not going to be able to cry wolf and get my kids to do for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's what they do. Um, anybody else? Sister Maxine, Sister Toreen, Angie, y'all want to yeah. talk? You know what? I I love my mother-in-law. I remember when I first went to New York to go meet her and she was just so excited. She wanted me, you know, when we were dating at the time, she wanted my husband to, you know, put our lives together. My husband was like, yeah, whatever. And do you know the night of our honeymoon, when we, we got married in Vegas. So she flew out, her and her husband, they flew to Vegas. And the night of our honeymoon, they stayed in the hotel with us in their own room, right? They didn't have, you know, I don't know, but that's, it was what it was. 
And so the next morning she gets up and she leaves. She comes up to me and she says, did you guys do it? <laughs> I love her. I love her. I started laughing. I could not laugh so hard. I laughed. I thought that was the funniest thing. And bless her heart, she's no longer with us. But I realized her, us having a family, like she wanted, she had three sons and my husband was the only one that got married and had it, you know, and everything. And, and that meant the world to her. And so, you know, it wasn't until we went to New York and we saw her albums. We were all in the albums. So we're so glad that we gave her that piece. But I, I just thought she was, she was just a cool lady. That's really, that's awesome. That, you know, when you, when you have that type of relationship with the in-laws, yeah, everything is good. Everything yeah, it's good. It's it's no drama, it's, right? There was no drama with us. Like you're able to laugh and joke and be free. You don't have to walk on eggshells around people and worry about them whispering and stabbing you in your back, bite back biting as, as right. Empress Cindy says. Right. But, uh, it's a beautiful feeling. It's peace. Um, Sister yeah. Toreen. Yes, I just I was just gonna say like me and my mother in law was close. I feel like we was closer than than she was with her with her son, you know. And it's funny, uh, Steve Harvey was mentioning, you know, when you get with um, a man who doesn't treat his mother right, you know, doesn't respect his mother, you know, the relationship that you guys have won't work, and that is true. Because I was in one of those relationships. That's a kind of marriage that I had. Um, married for 14 years, you know, and and his mom knew he was a trip. That's why me and her was close. Like she would tell me all the time, like, girl, listen, I understand if you need a break. You know, so it's definitely good to have a good in-law because nobody wants to deal with the in-laws that baby their children. And even when they wrong, you know, they look at you like, well, why he saying this? Or, why is she saying that? You know, so so yeah, it, it's always good to to be good with your in laws, both mother and father, because you can be close with the mother and the father don't like you, and that caused bickering too. Because I know somebody that went through that. You know, they was cool with the mom, but the father was like, uh uh, and it was causing friction between their marriage. And it's like, well, you don't like her? I like her. He's like, I don't. You know what I'm saying? So so yeah. You know, I, I, it's pressure when you feel like you have people watching you like, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for it to slip. <laughs> I was going to interject real quick and say, I would never marry a man if his mother didn't like me. If she did not like me, that couldn't go down because she was going to sabotage the whole marriage and try to manipulate the grandkids. Mm -hmm. Trust me, it happened with my own mom and I was like oh hell to the no I would never marry a man that his mother didn't like me I agree lesson learned lesson <laughs> learned yes agreed. I would I, I couldn't see myself uh fighting that battle because you know the mother is going to have a, a stronghold over the son and uh a huge influence so yeah but we're going to keep on moving on sisters we're going into the passive aggressive and who's guilty People are being passive-aggressive when they use indirect communications that have to be analyzed to figure out the meaning. Most of us are passive-aggressive at times, especially if we are feeling angry or frustrated and are unable to express our thoughts clearly. 
but some people use passive-aggressive tactics deliberately in order to confuse, control, and even punish others. Here are five signs of passive-aggressive communications. Are any of these tactics familiar? Have they ever been used on you? 1. The silent treatment. Has anyone ever stopped speaking to you or responding to your text messages? Maybe you had an argument recently and this person got upset. Now they're using the silent treatment to let you know that there is still a problem. 2. Subtle insults. You can't be sure when a subtle insult has happened. That's why it's called subtle. For example, you give your report to the boss who says, Hey, this is great. This is the biggest surprise of my week. Why is the boss so surprised? Does that mean that your work isn't usually great? This is how subtle insults can work. They confuse people and undermine their confidence, especially when there is a power imbalance. 3. Procrastinating on purpose. You have probably asked someone to do a favor. They agree, and then they don't do it. You ask them again, and the answer might be, in a minute. But a minute later, nothing has happened. This type of procrastination can be a power move by someone showing you that they are in control of the schedule and that you have no control over them. 4. Sabotage Sabotage comes from a French word that means to bungle. When people engage in sabotage, they deliberately mess things up for someone else. A person using this passive-aggressive tactic might hit the wrong button and erase a presentation or stumble and drop the dessert you made. 5. Keeping score Friends help friends because that's what friends do, right? Well, not a scorekeeper. These are people who keep track of all the favors they do for you. Remember, you owe me for this. And then they pay you back if you can't attend their party by missing your next party on purpose. If you use any of these passive-aggressive tactics, try to be more clear and direct in your communication. Can you think of anybody who displays these five signs of passive-aggressive communication? Me. I'm guilty. <laughs> I will admit it. I'm very subtle sometimes with my shit. Um, yeah, I'm very guilty sometimes because I, I, I know me. I know I can literally decapitate someone with my tongue. So instead of me going hard, I just drop a little subtle something out there. But you know I'm talking to you, though. That's how I am. Without kind of like ruffling feathers too much. Um, but I'd rather say it in a, in, a, in a certain type of way than doing it how I know I could. You know, it, I'm, I'm, that's my way of controlling myself. But um, I, I guess that's not the right way. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm guilty and I can admit it. Anyone else? I have often been on the receiving end of the passive aggressive behavior um, experience that I've had where if I'm having an event, you know, the person would purposely come very late, always very late. You know, no matter what time I push the time back, they're late or they would do things or, or they would do little controlling things. Um, oh, I'm having a Zoom meeting. It's my event, but you're having your Zoom week, like how we're doing this at my house and you didn't ask me. 
Oh, can you go plug up a lot of those little things? Um, if I ask for directions, oh, you got this um, tent. Where'd you get it? Around the corner. That's passive aggressive. Why don't you know where you got the tent? Why don't you just tell me where you got it? You know, and so then I learned and then and then I've been on the other end of keeping the favors. People would do things for me and then turn back around to collect. Don't so, yeah. take that. Don't yes. take that. Don't do a damn thing for me if I have to turn around and owe you. Like that's not that's not a favor. A favor yeah. doing it for me because you know I was in a situation that I needed it. And I can uh -huh. give you the same thing back. I might not be in your status or be at the same status that you are or be in your same position that I can give you the same thing back. But I'm going to take care of you and look out for you nonetheless in a different way, you know? Yes. <laughs> So be and I and because I learned the behavior, so then I learned to deal with them accordingly, or probably just not at all at the end, because it's it's very um, it's taxing and it's disrespectful. It is, you know, it's so disrespectful, and I felt like God, I don't deserve that, you know. Now, have I been passive aggressive? I'm sure I've been passive aggressive in the past, but usually it's probably because they was already doing me in, so I'm already like, you know. You doing me in? I'm gonna play your game too. So, but then at the end, I don't like doing that because it's not who I am naturally. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Either I'm gonna tell you I'm coming or I'm not. Or I, I try to be respectful of your house. If you, if your event's at five, I'm not gonna show up at six thirty, and not call you. And you know, doing that kind of stuff. You know. So, yeah. but um, it's just trying to just stay away from the pattern. Yeah, it is. that's my take on that. Anyone else, Sister Tarina, Angie, you you want to speak on this topic? Y'all making me feel mean because I'm aggressive. Okay, I ain't passive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those give it to you straight, no chaser yeah. type of person. And you know, it's I'm learning that it's not about it's not what you say, it's how you say it. You know, because I'm 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 one of those type of people that it's like don't please don't don't play the game don't don't pick up don't pick the nerve. If there's a problem, let's talk about it. And see me like I read body language no with like no other tones and all. So if I feel like something's going on, I'm gonna ask like, well, is everything all right, sis? I mean, you know, last I heard we was on this page. We done flipped to this page. What happened? You know. So communication to me is like is key. You know, it's like. Hey, you know what I mean? I'd rather just tell you what's on my mind, you know, so that we don't have to worry about, you know, anything being swept under or any grudges or anything like that. So, yeah, I'm 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 more aggressive. <laughs> yeah. I like to give it to you straight. You at least as long as you can be honest about it, as long as you can identify that this is who I am, this is the type of person that I am, um and you speak your truth we yes we have to learn how to deliver our truth sometimes because sometimes we could just be straight gutter and raw and um but it's because of our passion we have a lot of passion about how we feel especially betrayal um we can go from zero to a thousand in a matter of nanoseconds <laughs> so <laughs> some of us we we learn we grow and we learn how to communicate better 
Sister Angie, do you want to chime in? Are you guilty of being passive aggressive? <laughs> the funny thing is, I was looking at some of the descriptions of it, and I'm like, I don't know. And then when I'm telling my friends, they're like, yeah. So I really can't tell you. But I know I've had the, I've known I had it done to me, especially the the one at the end, where it's like they'll do favors, and and they count it for you, and then next so you know they'll bring it up in your face or they'll tell other people and other people will tell you be like yeah she said she did a lot for you and i'm over here like wow <laughs> i think yeah. part of that probably been like the main thing that i've actually heard before so it's madness it's, it's all madness but as long as we can have respect for each other when we communicate with each other and uh you know consider the feelings one if we consider feelings first then i think we all uh can communicate without burning bridges and that leads us into our next topic, ladies. We're going to speed it up just a little bit because I'm definitely trying to get to a couple of them that's down here on the bottom of the list. This is corporate madness. When is enough enough? Attention, Superior Airlines passengers on this nonstop flight from Dallas to Fort Worth. We regret to inform you that we have no pilot for this flight. Our captain was arrested on a PPE loan scam, and our co-captain was arrested selling bootleg tickets to the non-existent Lauren Hill play. The choir and the competition are out. We are accepting any people who know how to fly a plane, and if you don't, we're accepting people who were kind of good at Mario Kart. Played Grand Theft Auto Five and avoided the cops when they got to the helicopters and or Golden Eye experts. So please come to the front to try out the first leg of this flight. Also, want to let you know about a couple of changes. This flight, we will be charging for looking out the window. There's 37 cents to unlock the window. You get 13 seconds to look, and the shade's going to come back down. We have no food on this flight. We are charging you to eat your own food. Two dollars if you have a bag of chips. $4 for sunflower seeds, $6 if you have your own bottle of water. Before we take off, we also want to let you know there are no flight attendants for this flight. This is a recorded message. We are all currently on Delta flying to Miami to turn up. Again, no flight attendants. Also, we locked the bathrooms because we didn't feel like cleaning them for this flight. So y'all just going to have to hold it. All right, good luck. We're taking off shortly. <laughs> I love him. I am cracking up. I love him. That right there is just the craziest. 35 cents per minute to look out the window, but they the shades come down automatically. <laughs> they have got to stop their nonsense. They're charging us. We're going to be paying for air in a minute. <laughs> it's literally crazy. Uh, the madness in corporate America is madness. They are literally paying people $3,800 to burn the crops. If y'all don't pick those crops and put them on trucks and ship them over here to this side of the country so we can have some food in, in abundance, it's like, what are you got? It's chaotic. It's so much going on. It's hard to keep up with. But I know we got to pay for it, whatever it is. We have to pay for everything. You guys want to weigh in. I just thought it was funny because I just asked my friends when I first seen the clip. I was like, "Is that is that airline that bad?" And and she and they were like, "Yeah," because I don't know nothing about it. I mean, I've seen them make jokes like on TikTok where there was the it went from the nice um, flight attendant to then the other flight attendant who wasn't having the bullshit. <laughs> so I was just like, "Really? Is that how they act?" I was like, "I was really lost." But again, I've never taken that flight, so I really don't. I didn't really know what was the joke at the time about, so. 
I just recently, you know, my cousins, they flew from here to Atlanta and they were like on a six, seven hour flight. And I said, well, did, did they feed you guys? Are they still serving food? She said, no, they're not even offering food on the plane. You know, I mean, I can remember you had the option to buy the food. They would roll that cart down and you get your sandwich and your chips or whatever. And now they're not even offering that. No food. So you were just S-O-L. Mm -hmm. And Spirit, I don't know how they're still in business. Because the people like me be looking for them 55 round, dollar <laughs> round trip tickets. That's how they're still in business. Pay for what you get. You pay for what you get, I tell you. Because yes. I... <laughs> I promise you, I was looking for a Spirit fly, uh, airline flight. Uh, to go down to Myrtle Beach, and it was literally um, $38. <laughs> yes, I'm getting on that. I'm going to get on it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Prayer works. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to get on that flight. But I'm just saying, you we are literally paying for, we're paying top dollar for services that we're no longer getting. Listen, check out the ice cream, that, that little, that's the supposed to be a half gallon that is now a damn near like a large pint. And you're still playing, playing like the half gallon uh, prices for it. You're paying full price plus some for services that you're no longer getting. You're not getting food on flights anymore, especially Delta. You're not even getting the biscotti uh, cookies to go with your coffee. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's sad, but this is the day and age that we're living in. These are the times. Anyone else want to chime in? So wait, y'all triggering me. Remember when uh, Oprah did the thing about get on a plane. You, they're supposed to give you a bag of peanuts because that was the thing, right? You get on a plane, you knew you was getting your peanuts. Now it's horrible because now they want you to sign up to get extra miles and they don't have nothing. Then you got to buy the food when you get there. It, it's it's to the point where you're like, you'll be a nickel and dime like you're at a goddamn uh, Asian. You know, when you go to Asians, you get your feet done. And they, well, back in the days, when you got your feet done, they charge you for the slipper, extra color change. You'd be like, how you nickel and dime me? This is what the fuck you do. It's now spilled over into other things. A pack of gum was 25 cents. I know you see that shit say 35 cents. Ain't no extra stick of gum up in that motherfucker. Also a bag of chips that used to be filled up. Now you, you eating and shit. It's like four chips in the fucking bag. The bag ain't even 25 cents. It's 50 cents and you getting less. Everything has gone, gone to shit. And here's the thing. We still buy the shit. That's why they, they keep doing this shit to us. Something else, a couple of corporations, um, freaking massage envy. I get all these extra things. I never go. So I always kind of say to people, hey, you, you want one of my things? I got like 12 of them. I haven't been because I'm too busy. And before I could give the, the point to anyone, and you could go get a massage or a facial. Now they're talking about, we need your credit card. I already paid for this. I've been paying for all the, why do you need the person I'm gifting their credit card in case they don't show up? If they don't show up, I've already, that's, shit has gotten so bad that they're, they're trying to make up. And this, you know, for 2020, for every dime, every nickel that they didn't get. And I think it's disgusting. 
Because if I just I decided to pay the subscription, I didn't have to. I decided to keep y'all going. And now that I'm saying, hey, I'm still doing business. You talking about you need the person I'm gifting that credit card? That's like um buying perfume at Macy's. And they're like, I know you paid for it, but I'm going to kind of need the person you're giving it to. I need their credit card. I need to know where they live. I need their social. Like, this shit is out of fucking order. These corporations, like, they make enough money off of us already. I'm, I'm, ugh. We're the gift that keeps giving. <laughs> our, our bank accounts are the gifts that keep giving. So anyone else wanted to chime in before we move on to the next topic? I just wanted to stop and tell everybody, all of the listeners, thank you for joining us. The Divine Femininity, beautiful group of intelligent women on this panel tonight. Thank you to Queen Cindy for hosting uh, on the Wake Up Radio, bringing you the hottest topics. And if you want to check us out, you can join us on onthewakeupradio.com. And you can check us out, the replays, the videos, if you want to come back, go in and, and catch up um, on thewakeuptube.com. That's otwtube.com. Or call in and join the conversations at 844-818-4433. Cindy, you wanted to speak? Um. First of all, when you said bank account, that's another. That's remember when you said six percent. Now with zero 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 zero, let me let me tell y'all something. Before Matteo passed away, um, he was having problems with people going to his account and stuff. He had like he had like twenty thousand dollars in his account, and the man, I'm telling the man, listen, y'all need to fix this, correct this. I told him to leave the damn bank, but you you know when people get to a certain age, they don't want to listen. And the man said. Oh, I see how much money you have. We have something that we can offer you. You cannot touch your 20 grand, but at the end of the year, we'll give you $200. I said, I will own my, I said, excuse me. Do you know, do you know how disrespectful that is? You're going to hold on to him. You're already doing that, but you're going to give me 200. You're going to hold my 20 grand and give me $200. These people are fucking out. The fact that maybe people actually do that. Maybe people want the hundred. I mean, people, you know, take the vaccine for a hundred dollars. So maybe people, maybe that's a thing, but that's just, there are so many. And I know the, the ladies that do insurance, there are so many things you could put your money in, get your three, your 6%, your 12%. Damn, Taurine, Taurine. <laughs> I'm not going to turn it into that, but you know, I know, you know insurance just all the different things we could do these banks are out of line and just disgusting and they want to charge you a fee i heard i don't have bank of america bank of america charges two dollars and fifty cents every time you look at your balance i knew a brother told me he owed bank of america 85 dollars because he looked at his balance all day 85 dollars just looking at it let that make That's sense crazy that is literally crazy. I'm, I, I'm going to tell you something that I had to learn. I'm sure a lot of you uh, ladies have learned this by now. But remember they used to have the overdraft protection? You go over by 50 cents and they're going to pull money out of your savings to cover that charge. Plus, they're going to charge you an additional $35 just because they, they did that for you. Um, you do have the option of waiving that overdraft protection because every time they protect you they charge you $35 and they give it to you automatically but you have to 
call them and opt out of it. And I didn't know that until I paid, I don't know how many, $35 fees. But yeah, just in case anybody needed that little bit of information. But we want to, um, we're going to move on to the next topic. And this one, we've been trying to get to for a couple of uh, shows. But here we are. This is Black women praising their white men over there in Clubhouse. Cindy, Miss Cindy, Miss Cindy, Miss Cindy, do you have a clip, please? Is there a clip for this? Well, um, when I look at the title, um, White Man Appreciation, 1,000 Reasons Why White Men Are Better for Black Women, um, well, my response to that and also my story about that is, well, first off, we aren't slaves anymore. Um, Love is love. Um, white men love education. Um, my boyfriend and I are both in college. He's an econ major. He's a precious person to me. Mine is a wonderful guy. Um, I can just tell you, ladies, I'm so happy that we love in white men because they are the most sweetest, wonderful men, caring, loving, patient, honorable wonderful guys um and 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 you know what's so sad our mothers should have left that left the black men a long time ago if they would have left them a long time ago we wouldn't have all these problems yeah well as this is the thing though i get what you're saying but let's just focus on you know white man appreciation i just really don't want to hear about Please, like, let's just talk about the white guys, please, y'all. I let's just, just want to give a shout out to my wonderful white father, <laughs> who's who's. Oh. Um, I met a nerdy guy. He's really sweet. Um, we're both ambitious and educated. That's exactly the type of guy I wanted, and it, it's just like there's no turning back because these dusties are dusty. Like they just belong in a coffin. I agree. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Bianca. Who was next in the queue? Did did they did did she call them dusties? Did she say we're gonna let the dusties be dusties? They belong in a coffin. <sighs> and that's that's difficult to hear, and and not even on a like it's not even funny that's how difficult that was for me to hear because our brothers have gone through some shit that no other race could probably imagine still building entire fucking nation on their backs still try their best to raise their families, go to work for the same white man that used to beat them down and hunt them like they were prey just because of the color of their skin. And these sisters are calling them dusties. It's not funny. Um, I think this world has gone to shit in a handbasket. And we don't know our up from down. We don't even know who we are anymore. We don't know who we are as a people that we should be proud of ourselves and our accomplishments, no matter what.
they paint the picture that they try to paint about melanated people. We should be proud that we've endured so, so much and we still build their dynasties and raise their children still. And, um, and I, I digress. I digress because I could not be uh, physically in the presence of any of these women saying those type of things about our brothers, regardless of who they choose to be with in their personal lives or who they choose to have their children with or their happy lives with. But to degrade uh, Black men because of whatever, a bad experience, is... Um, is nothing short of ignorant. That's just my take on that. Anybody else want to chime in? I, I want these Black sisters to understand this. Who you decide to date is your choice. However, they need to know that when they date white men, it only goes so far, meaning that that's his fetish with you. They don't understand that. He's dating you. He can. Do they understand that he could still be a bigot or racist and still be with you? Do they understand that even though he's accepting of you, maybe his parents are not accepting of you, of your black, your blackness? See, it only goes so far, and it's an illusion. You think you you are putting these men on a pedestal? Don't get me wrong. There's good. There's good white men, I guess, out there, but there's good brothers out there too. And again, don't put the brothers down because you you can't adapt to find one. That's not right, you know, to say that they're dusty. Because at the end of the day, piss that white man off. Everything is good with them till it's not. And guess what? What they're going to call you? Because I'm telling you, I had friends that dated white men. You're still going to be a nigger to them. When they get pissed at you, you nigger. That's how they. That's how they roll. So they, those young ladies have um, a rude awakening, a rude awakening ahead of them. I wish them the best. They absolutely do. Um, I guess they're living in their own little fantasy worlds um, with their white husbands. <laughs> so <laughs> they definitely do have a rude awakening ahead of them because at the end of the day, when it comes down to choosing. They're always going to choose privilege, period, and uh, entitlement. So these white, these these sisters, um, they've had some bad experiences, and you can tell. But we all have, and we're still riding with our brothers, regardless, um, because we know which side of the fence we stay on, <laughs> and which side of the fence that they're going to choose if they had to. Right, and Jackie, let me say one more thing. Look at our black queen that had to move from England with her husband out here. Hello. Hello. Thank you. She almost had a nervous breakdown. She did. They're still trying to drag her. Right. But we more of us are awake today and we know the truth. Um, you know, we we know where we stand. And as long as those of us who know where we stand select the right side of the fence to stand on when the shit goes down, we'll be okay. Um, but it's going to be a lot of our brothers and brothers as well and sisters that have made these choices to choose who they want to choose to love. But the, the choice to to degrade their own race 
is what I am uh, really furious about. Sister Cindy, you wanted to say something? What hurt me the most, other than the Dusties, because that was fucked up in the coffin part, was when she said, our mother should have left these black men. Bitch, how did you get here? Yes. You wouldn't even exist. How dare you chop off your father's head like that? Like he doesn't even exist. Like, who, who does that? Uh, it's, it's no coof, right? And this, they think they're high sedity. They don't have any fucking class about themselves. They should be ashamed of themselves. They should be. Sister Taurine or Angie, you want to chime in? Yeah, that made me angry. I was looking for the name like, where they at? I'm about to cuss them out. Like, what the heck is going on up in here? Because it's like, you know, it's, it's obviously a lack of love. Whether if there was a trauma in those females, family household, to I don't know if they mama, daddies, uncles, brothers was on drugs. And they obviously had to have some type of bad experience at home that made them, because that just sounds like hate and a lack of love. Obviously, it's something about them that they do not love about themselves. And, and they are projecting it outward to where you're just going to, you just going to throw the black man under the dust just because you've had a couple of bad experiences. Like, you know, that's sad. And it also shows a lack of strength because black women, we all know we strong women. And if you a real black woman, you're going to feel the pain of our black brothers, period. Especially those that are really out here trying. It's like, do people even consider the fact that our black men have it hard out here? I mean, really hard. Um, but yeah, like that, that, that was just ridiculous. I, I couldn't even believe that. Thanks, it's almost sir. like, it's like, what? Like, <laughs> what's yeah. going on? It's crazy. I, I, I heard that and I was like, Ugh. it's like my whole, everything dropped. Like, that's what we're out here doing, ladies, sisters. That's what we're doing to our brothers. No, that's not acceptable at all. Sister Angie, did you want to chime in before we move on to the next topic? Yeah, no, I just wanted to say, because for me, I just, it sucks, but it's the world we live in. But I just really hate the whole separation thing. Uh, because for me, I, I love men. It could be from any race, any culture, whatever I think to me looks good. It could be a good looking Asian, black man, white man, Indian, whatever. For me, it's looks. But I just feel also everything has to do when you're trying to find that person too is who you vibe with, the chemistry, how are they? Because I've always said men are men. No matter where they come from, they could be a rapist, a narcissist, abuser. They could be anything. And it, is, and it bothers me because it doesn't always have to be a specific race. It's just people, just men in general. It could, You know what I mean? It could happen in any race. So that's how I always look at it. But it just sucks how we always have to like keep separating and everybody wants to dog another race out just because but when i sit there and look at it, i was like yo man is a man if he wants to put his hands on you he could be white black hispanic it doesn't even matter what color or where he's from people do things you know what i mean so this whole separation and all that i just yeah i just really dislike it yeah yeah and i agree 100 percent. like i said you know you choose you 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 choose who you love or if that's who you want to love then there's no qualms about that you know um I don't pass judgment on anyone, but don't choose who you love and then you turn around and you dog another race. You, you own it that. Just stop, 
stop with the nonsense. You know, it, it, it's enough. It's enough hate in the world already. Um, and, and relationships are supposed to be about love. But you can't mix love with hate and think that it's okay. It's not. But we're going to move on into our next, next segment, which is worst dates. Speaking of love. And how did we ever find anyone? Because take a listen to these experiences. Oh, shit. We're going to hear about the worst dates, y'all. I don't know. I've never really went on the worst date. Okay. Well, I guess one time I got kidnapped. Oh, what the hell? The worst date I've ever been on? This could be a long one. So what happened was one time in college. I was like 18 or 19. I went on a date once with someone and I knew I shouldn't have done it. Because it was like a Tinder date. Tinder date. It was a Tinder date, of course. Should I even say anything else? We were at like dinner and he was very polite. Things were going really well. Uh, we had some good chemistry. Turned out to be an escort. He ordered spaghetti. And neither of us had enough money to pay for it. He ate it with his hands. And as we were walking out of the restaurant, the waiter actually like chased me down. I went over to his house and he's like, Hey, you just have to be quiet because my wife is upstairs. And he had a freaking cast on his foot and he smelled like bagels. But back then I was kind of goth. Then the election happened and then she like threw up outside of my car. It started raining and then he brought me to Olive Garden. He would say elbows off the table if you're able. I choked, spilled the entire drink all over the table. She cried during it. Grabs me and kisses me and says, whether you like the state or not, you will always remember me. And he was like, I'm looking for a wife. And I was like, hmm. Do you guys know what homecoming is? It was a school dance. And she shows up wearing hot pants to prom. And after the prom, I went back to her house and ate cherry pie with her mom. And that person ended up being a really horribly racist South African white person. But we had nothing in common. He would ask me a question and then I would start to answer and then he would just start talking about his ex-girlfriend. He said that he had a girlfriend that was married. So I was like, what is going on? Like, what's happening here? This guy drank an entire bottle of sake and then he made some case against how he thinks that most rape accusations are false. And then I made up an emergency and I got the fuck out of there. And went out on a date with someone who the more they drank, the more obnoxious they got. He was already drunk. She showed up absolutely wasted. I met this person online and I knew as soon as I saw this person that- I got catfished. Catfished? Catfished. Worst date? Oh. They've all been either just like great or really great. So I don't know. I guess like I got stood up at a Dairy Queen in the middle of the woods. I think that's what we did a bad day. This one time I was super hungry and I wanted to get my own size tater tots. But I was like, if you want your own tater tots, I'll buy you yours. She's like, no, it's all good. Finally get my tater tots. She wants to eat my tater tots. <laughs> it was horrible. The worst date I ever been on was I went to the movies with this guy. I went to this really boring sci-fi movie. And it was an awesome movie, but the guy was like shitty as fuck. He made me buy my own food at the movie theater. <laughs> I went on a date and I didn't even know it was a date until it was over. We're making out of my car and he says, You have a giant clear bug on your eyebrow. And I like pulled off this like weird lice looking bug. It's like the size of a bean. And his whole family is there. And he introduces me as his girlfriend. And then they spoke another language. So they were speaking another language while I was just sitting there awkwardly in the room while they were all staring at me. I've never, never, never. Never, never actually been on a date. 
Uh, well, it was just, uh, I guess, uh, I don't even know. I don't even want to explain this. I didn't find him attractive. The guy was shorter than me. He didn't talk at all. He didn't say a word. But she worked at a pet store and she smelled like the pet store. He dissed my favorite radio station and said it was the worst ever. It was actually a double date and the other dude's girlfriend ended up holding my then boyfriend's hand. Got dumped two days later. The worst date I've ever been on was when I went to a dog park with a guy. It was the first time I really met him. He was extremely nervous. Very first words out of her mouth was, you honestly wore that? And I was like, this is going to go fucking awesome. And then I went to the bathroom and I came back later in the night. He was making out with another girl at the bar. He basically left me at Chuck E. Cheese. Attached to a brothel. They didn't even get our food out on time. I didn't even get to eat. He was pretty much already proposing to me, and I had just met him that night. Yeah, I think that's the worst one I've ever been on. I was ready to go home. So, yeah, that was one of my awkward dates. Ladies. <laughs> Boy, I have some stories to tell, but I have way too many to share tonight. <laughs> but let me give you my worst. My absolute worst. Without going into a whole bunch of details, I'm just going to get to the punch. Remember Lord Folklore in, in uh, Shrek? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Is this not the most perfect kingdom of them all? Well, technically, you're not a king. Uh, Thelonious, you were saying? What I mean is, uh, you're not a king yet. <laughs> but, but you can become one. All you have to do is marry a princess. Go on. <laughs> so, just sit back and relax, my lord. Because it's time for you to meet today's eligible bachelorettes. And here they are. Bachelorette number one is a mentally abused shut-in from a kingdom far, far away. She likes sushi and hot tubbing anytime. Her hobbies include cooking and cleaning for her two evil sisters. Please welcome Cinderella. Bachelorette number two is a cape-wearing girl from the land of fancy. Although she lives with seven other men, she's not easy. Just kiss her dead, frozen lips and find out what a live wire she is. Come on, give it up for Snow White. And last, but certainly not least, Bachelorette number three is a fiery redhead from a dragon-guarded castle surrounded by hot, boiling lava. But don't let that cool you off. She's a loaded pistol who likes pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. Yours for the rescuing, Princess Fiona! So, will it be Bachelorette number one, Bachelorette number two, or Bachelorette number three? Number three! Lord Farquaad, you've chosen Princess Fiona. Fiona. She's perfect. All I have to do is just find someone. But I probably shouldn't mention the little thing that happens at night. I'll do it. Yes, but after sunset. Silence! I will make this Princess Fiona my queen, and Yulok will finally have the perfect king. Captain, assemble your finest men. We're going to have a tournament before I change my mind. Forgive me, Princess, for startling you, but you startled me. For I have never seen such a radiant beauty before. I am Lord Farquaad. Lord Farquaad? Oh, uh, no, no. Forgive me, my lord, for I was just saying a short... Farewell. 
Oh, that is the one that was right. You know, he was like the prince or whatever. And when he pulled up on the princess and hopped off the horse, they got to take him off the horse and his little legs were dangling. That's how he hopped off of the, off of the stool at the bar. And I was done. I was done. I didn't know the brother was that little because I met him there. So he said, excuse me. Mind you, he's very pompous, very arrogant. He had a little edge to him. And it's okay. I kind of like that sometimes. But you can't do all of that and hop off the the, 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 the stool at the bar. Like you literally, you're, I looked down and his legs was dangling. And I'm 5'3". It's not going to work. <laughs> it's just not going to work. You're too arrogant. You're, you're overcompensating for something. And now I see why. <laughs> I'll, I'll pass the mic on that one I've had the ones if I can say catfish because you know some people put pics of themselves like 10-15 years ago when they look great their skin was great and then you meet them in person and you're just like hold up that looks this looks like years ago and I'm like what's going on the way they look how they walk I was like this just can't this just can't be they're posting up pics of them looking nothing how they do in person. And they're much, and they're older, older, not even just the word old, like older. <laughs> um, it's like, why would you put pics of yourself? You know, that doesn't, it's not anything of like how you look now. So there's also the guys who never smile in their pictures. So there's been times, there was times when I would finally see them in person and they smile, their teeth were completely messed up. And that's bad because, you know, <laughs> but I'm just like, if I knew that, and yeah, I know it makes me sound kind of shallow, but that's okay. I was like, I was like, once they smiled, I was done because again, I was not expecting that, you know? Like, give me a heads up. So there was a situation where I was supposed to meet this guy. He told me which train station to go, where to meet him at. So I got there, and the problem was that it was already late. It was already late at night. So I got there. I went upstairs. He's texting me the whole time, and I felt like, you know, once he saw me, and back then I was actually a little bit chunkier, and I guess once he saw me, he must have saw how I looked. So look at that. Ain't karma a bitch? <laughs> so once he saw me, he was just like, oh, he had his own thing too. Well, she looked like that. I don't want to. But it's like still, it was just the whole point, like at least face me or just make whatever excuse. But the fact that he didn't say anything and it was just like, I'm trying to text him. He's not answering. I stood there and I waited and then I finally just decided just to go back home. So that was the kind of date that I had. All right, Sister Toreen, do you have an, uh, an experience like that? Oh my goodness, yes. Very similar to Angie's. <laughs> like very similar. It was somebody, and this was a while ago. Um, it was somebody that I, you know, met virtually and um, like, cool guy you know good conversation and everything was all good but it was like when we met in person you know it wasn't the same visuals you know what I'm saying and I can I can go outside and like okay everybody doesn't 
take care of their teeth the same. All right. Some people, you know, got a few missing, got to get some pool. I can, I can deal with that because we can get that fixed. But if I can visibly see a caking situation and I can tell you actually don't brush your teeth, that's a problem. Because how, how do you expect for me to want to get closer? You know, I'm, I'm not touching no yuck mouth. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I just can't, but yeah, that, that doing was that. I just, I'm not to interrupt. I just want to know who, what grown up is out there on a date. <laughs> I've never, that's, I've never seen that. Listen, they post up uh, their yeah. best pictures, just like Andy said, the best pictures, yeah. not smiling. And then you meet them, they're like, ting, you're like, whoa, this oh. changes everything. <laughs> Gotta brush your teeth, man. My gosh. And I'm sure that the mask, the new mask mandating situation is not on our side. It's not a benefit. Definitely is not a benefit in the dating world. <laughs> Sister Maxine, how's your experience been? I think one of the worst dates that stand out to me was this guy that my friend hooked me up with. And um, I know he had some emotional problems and we were driving down the street. I think I must've been driving because he pointed up at a building. He said, oh, that's the building that I was gonna jump off to kill myself. I'm like, okay. And that was the last date. <laughs> that was the last day. That's wild. He shared that? Yeah, he just said it so matter-of-factly. He shared it matter-of-factly. We were driving. He said, yeah, that was the building. I was going to jump off to kill myself. <laughs> and I looked at the building. Listen. Good night. Yes. Yes. Good night. Uh, good business. Goodbye. <laughs> good business. Say la vie. <laughs> all of that <laughs> y'all we are listening in on this is the divine femininity group of, oh wait no Empress Cindy come on I know you want to chime in I know you have some experience I know she gonna come with it <laughs> I know oh god I, I actually yeah cause it's like who the fuck are you let me tell you I used to get myself in all types of problems oh, I'm a trouble troublemaker I attract a lot of weirdos. Uh, I think it's because I'm a widow. Um, so this was back in the days, AOL chat. This is before your Insta, before your MySpace, whatever. And uh, I might have been, I don't I might have been 18 or something like that. And, or 17, who knows, right? And dial up, DSL. Uh, and I was talking to this guy and he was just like, yo, let's meet over here. I was very adventurous, y'all. And I went. And his car was parked because I didn't say where I live. So I kind of said the other block in Brooklyn. So I get there and it's this big, uh, like, vehicle you would see, uh, you know, the White House Trump would be in. Like one of them suburban, what, them big shiny shits. And he was like, well, I have a secret to tell you. I'm on TV. And I was like, oh, okay. I never seen him before. And he was like, no, I'm on NBC for real. And I was like, oh, okay. He was like, you know, well, I'm mad. Now he's telling me everything. I was looking at, he was huge. I was looking at him. And then he was like, well, I really like you. Because I did send him a picture, but he didn't send me a picture. He was like, I really like you. And then he pulls out his dick. 
it had even been like 10 minutes in the car. And I was like, oh, and it was funny because he might have been seven feet tall, but his penis was like my pinky or my pinky toe. And then he was just like, I really like you. And then I was like, I like you too. But you know what? Let's save that for later. And then he was like, for real, you're not going to play me? And I was like, no, no, we're going to hang out later. I told y'all, girl, I could have got an Oscar. I'm going to see you later. And then I got out the car and was like, oh, my God. So now, fast forward, he's AOL chatting me, but I'm, like, trying to block it and everything. And then I'm looking on NBC, and I'm looking at 30 Rock, and I see him. Boom, boom, boom. Oh. Sounds like I'm gonna have to go back digging in the archives. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ooh, this right here. I'm looking for this person right here. <laughs> well, guys, listen, we have had some fire topics tonight. We got a couple more we want to touch base on. But we are here with Divine Femininity on, on the Wake Up Radio Show. Dot com. If you want to join us, you can call in at eight. Let me hold on. Let me make sure that I'm saying the number correctly. 844-818-4433. That is 844-818-4433. And our next topic is, all right, ladies, yeast infection and the things we don't want to talk about. But we need some treatment and we need to be schooling some of these young ladies out here and young men about these uh, issues. Pick your favorite female celebrity. Just pick one, right? She's had a yeast infection. Mm -hmm. It was the worst. It was like, I felt like something was alive in there. Just gooey, gooey. The discharge and like... That's scary Why? as you're saying. <laughs> yeah, it's not like a wedgie. You know, you can no. just kind of get that out you on can't. the seat. <laughs> it's itchy. It's itchy, 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 itchy. I was in college. So I was away from home. Anything going on in that area, I didn't really have any knowledge about. And I paid the hospital a visit because I mm -hmm. thought that it was on fire. When I got it, I was freaking out. I thought... It was an STD. <laughs> I mean, I was freaking out. I was going to my boyfriend's hometown to meet his entire family. I woke up and my vagina was... <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say itchy because it's so much more than that. And when the doctor was like, okay, he came in, he's like, yeah, you have a yeast infection. And I just started crying. Oh. I was like, oh, no. Like, I was super nervous for the conversation uh, with, you know, the guy I was like newly dating. And, and I just said, so I have a yeast infection and it just like came out. He said I could talk to his mom, like one of the first times I met her about it, which absolutely not. And so I went to my mom and she's like, Marilyn, calm down. It's just yeast infection, like everyone gets them. I went to the doctor and she's like, oh, you have a yeast infection. She said, get Monistat, dad, it's fine. Thank goodness it did, it did work. I give it about a day and if I'm still itchy, then I go. I go to the drugstore and get, I get Monistar. I give it about an hour. Yeah. And I'm oh. there. I always try to do like something natural and it never worked. 
Let me just try this coconut oil first. Let me put like grass. I'm actually pretty into home remedies, but when I woke up with this, I wanted medication so fast. A yeast infection can be cured. So don't freak out. It's going to be okay. It's a yeast infection. Don't worry. <laughs> You're just like the rest of us. Well, well, well. Who wants to go first? I'm <laughs> volunteers. <laughs> All I remember was the itching. Ah! The dryness and the itching. It was the most horrible thing that I ever felt. Yeah, it's not fun. Um, and so I'm going to just kind of stick to the solutions. I had a, a, a conversation with one of our sisters that's in divine femininity, and she was telling me lime water, lime in your water, drinking that will help to whatever, um, instead of like dishing or anything like that. Um, what else? The coconut oil. I've done that. Of course, I've done the doctor and taking the, take these seven pills, uh, through the week, no alcohol. I'm like, what the fuck? What do you mean no alcohol? <laughs> but um, yeah. Um, what else? What's another remedy? Oregano uh, oil. Oregano oil. Okay. Um, I don't know. It's like it's so funny because I literally took my daughter to the GYN the other day because she was saying, "But my daughter does all this stupid shit like chlorophyll," and I'm like, "You can't be taking all this stuff because you don't know what's going to happen to your body." Because a lot of time it doesn't have to be having sex. It could just be the shit you're eating that fucks with your pH balance. Um, um, I was talking to one of my sisters on here, and we was talking about the ashy dick. Um, and when you see a man with an ashy dick, please run because something's wrong with it. I have seen, I didn't know that's what it meant. But I, those of you who have had ashy dicks, you know who you are. And I've seen ashy, it means that whoever you were with kind of like fucked you up. And because chicks don't really kind of say, I'm the kind of person I'm like, oh, my shit is acting up. This is cottage cheese. This is, uh, this shit is fucked up. And you know, because the first thing you're thinking is STD. You're like, I will kill that motherfucker. But honestly, it, when the doctor's like, no, it's just the yeast infection. You're like, okay, I don't have to kill anybody. But then you start thinking, is it? Because of what I'm taking, or is it because he's out here fucking all these different bitches, and bitches be really nasty, right? And they won't even tell you. They will not even tell you. True story. I had a man tell me that there was this beautiful girl he's always wanted to fuck, always wanted to fuck. And he said he went to her house. They were talking, and... He was like, I've always wanted you. And she was like, why didn't you tell me? And he said she started to take off his her clothes. And he was like, I was so aroused. And then she turned around and she was like, take me doggy style. He said, Cindy, the smell that came from behind my dick went. And then I was like, um, I got to go do something. He said, do you know a month after he found out she had AIDS? Yeah. Wow. Yes, Yum. that's crazy. Oh my gosh. That's that's a bomb.com. <laughs> All by itself. Um, I will I will be honest and say that um, you know, I'm grown. I'm a good and grown ass woman. So I've had my experiences in my lifetime. One thing that I can say is not until I was a little older, divorced from my husband. Now I'm single again. I'm on the dating scene again. And then I uh, ended up, you know, uh, getting involved. And I was in a relationship with someone 
um, that just wanted to, you know, give his dick to everybody in the community. <laughs> you know, and that's something that I had to find out and learn the hard way. And I kept getting these bacterial infections because I care for my body. I take care of my body. I'm, I'm one that loves my body. I know when there's something not right. And I do not believe in dish that my body cleanses naturally. Um, that's the best way. And I kept smelling this odor and saying this, no, no, no. Oh, no, no. I called him on the job. Hey, sweetie, I made an appointment for us. <laughs> we need to go be seen because I know that I'm not participating in any shit out here. But I need to know what you're dealing with, what, what, what you have going on and what this is. Because if this is something that starts with an S, um, I'm, I might have to put in some work, <laughs> literally. But it was a bacterial infection and he had it as well and didn't even know that he had had it and been carrying it. He'd been carrying it on his skin. His skin was dry, ashy, and itchy. He thought it was just dry skin. So yeah, he's lubing it up, you know, trying to get rid of the dryness, but that's not what it is. It's bacterial. It's the, the same BV that a woman would have, except we have ours internally and men carry theirs externally. And if you're not using protection, this is your man, he's sleeping, you know, he's done his share of sleeping around y'all in a new relationship or whatever, and you don't protect yourself, Take a look at his dick. If it is dry and ashy, you might want to put some metronidazole on it. Rub that joint with something. Treat him for about five to seven days. <laughs> and make sure you're good to go. Get your tasks, show receipts, get your paperwork, do all that you need to do. Because even though it's not a sexual tra sexually transmitted disease, having the yeast infection for a period of time or uh, or bacterial vagin, uh, what is it called? Vaginosis. Um, that could cause more problems for women. And, and for the younger ladies, stop dishing. That is unhealthy. It is actually taking, it's flushing out the good bacteria that kills the bad bacteria in your bodies. So you're supposed to cleanse naturally. Let your, give your body time to heal. You know, even after your menstruation, your menstrual cycle, don't hop in the sack. Let your body cleanse itself and get yourself on a nice pH balance. <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, that's the reason why I decided to just stay celibate. Period. Any other sisters want to share? So I'm coming back with another story. You, because you just reminded me of something. So, again, y'all know. Cindy, um, I feel like I'm at uh, AAA or one of them fucking things. Um, so basically, I was young, dumb, you know, full of cum, and I went to meet another person I met on the chat line, and I went way across state. I went to like Philadelphia. I don't even fucking know. I went somewhere, and 
I get there and the guy was weird. I don't know if he was like um bipolar or manic. It was just, he was just a weirdo. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And nobody knows where I'm at, right? This is pre-cell phone. This is when you had your cell phone. You put a little bit of time on it. This is when no 24 seven shit. Okay. So now I'm there and he was like, okay, I want to be with you. And I was just like, fuck, right? Because now I'm stuck. And now I just was like, um, I like when a guy plays with himself and I'm not ready for that. And he was like, okay, I like that too. And I was like, whoo, okay. And then he starts to do this thing where he's jerking off. His, his peepee was big. His peepee was, I ain't even gonna lie. It was big. And he's jerking off. And I swear to y'all, you ever seen pulp? Orange juice pulp? That's what came out of his dick. Was His sperm was pulp. It looked like, uh, look who's talking when the, the sperm was... And I was just like, so my bus leaves in an hour and we need to get back. And, and so someone said to me, Hey, he probably, he had an infection and it, uh, ancestors have really guided me. I'm a mess. Goodbye. <laughs> Listen, Cindy, I've never seen pulpy sperm in my life. I don't know. I'm in, in my mind. I'm saying, oh my god, like his sperm is like humongous. You know that chick is guaranteed to get pregnant. He's not missing. But if for that, that's an infection for men. That's an infection. Anybody else know about that? I'm. I'm. Careful. If that man was to listen, if that man was to impregnate a woman, he was gonna born an alien. Okay. That's what he was going to be born in. <laughs> I know. I, I what is that? To, you know, I'm, I'm about to go Google that. Pulpy sperm. Like, what is that? <laughs> Alien. Well, anybody else, Sister Doreen or Angie, have you had any experiences with this, um, you know, uh, our feminine hygiene and keeping ourselves clean and anything that you want to, any guidance we can give our young ladies out there that may not know the signs and symptoms of how to keep their, keep their coochies clean. <laughs> Period. I've definitely had an experience of uh, a bacterial and a yeast. Um, and they're not pleasant. Um, and I didn't play no games. Like I, I didn't even, that's it. Well, back then when I had it, you know, I wasn't really into like natural remedies. So I wasn't thinking that if I smell something or something ain't right, that's an emergency OBGYN appointment. Like right away. I'll be asking for the same day. You got anything available for tonight? Any seven, eight o'clock appointments? Okay. If not, I need to be in there first thing tomorrow morning, like please. But I know some things that give a lot of women, um, um, issues down there is like if you use a lot of like scents in your bath water like a lot of people think just because you know you go out to like pharmacies and like Walmart Target Bath and Body Works and they have like these bath bombs mm -hmm. um, and even bubble baths like you know I yeah. stopped doing that since high school yeah. and in fact that was like the first time I've ever experienced a pH um, balance being off balance by using like bubble baths um, and like, yeah, that, that, that's one advice that I, that I would like to, um, to give young females. Don't be using all these unnatural different products down there in, in that area. Like even like, you know, they even have different soaps 
and stuff you can use. I, I, I really, you know, you have to be real careful, you know, when it comes down to the vagina. Absolutely. You know, it's very sensitive. Like even certain soaps, some women don't even know how to wash themselves right. Okay. <laughs> some women don't understand. You can't be going, you know, you got to go around. You can't be going all in with the soaps and stuff. And then you wonder why you burning you because that'll throw you off too. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You can't use any soap down there it's yeah. really good to use as less as possible mm -hmm. you know you don't want to put so much you know soap and then it's like use something that's unscented you know something that's gentle you can't be using zest and all the smelly strong doves and <laughs> bath and body work shower gels down there you can't do that absolutely your body our bodies will naturally reject anything that does not belong and it does not recognize which is soaps um lotions shaving creams we can get it you know we that causes irritation shaving and hair going inside if you're not shaving properly um it's a number of things and what we eat as well high uh, foods with a lot of high um levels of acid can also cause bacteria vaginosis so we we definitely have to be careful as women right now i'm just looking for all natural products natural remedies so um you know the antibiotics especially right now at the height of a pandemic you don't want your body and uh your levels in your immune system kind of like you know off balance and that can happen when you start to take antibiotics. You need your body naturally right now to fight off of any virus with this pandemic. Uh, that's what, what our bodies need to be focused on. Sister Angie or Sister Vaccine, did you want to chime in or any last thoughts on this topic? Yeah, the I don't know if it was mentioned, but the making sure of how you wipe front to back, because you know, of course... Yeah, your vagina yes. is to your anus, so things like that yes. are important. That's another way that you can definitely get an infection. And what I think either Toreen was mentioning about um, using all these um, it's funny because I don't know if I don't think I did an episode, I think I heard about that. The fact of women wanting to to make their vagina smell so flowery and so like a, 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 a spring garden or something, they were like, No, you don't need to do all of that you know to your vagina just to make it smell good it's like hello like they say the proper cleaning just make sure you know but not to be putting all those type of chemicals and things down there either so yeah i mean who who is it supposed to smell good for <laughs> because you, you're the number one concern is whether brother has gingivitis or not <laughs> that's what you should be worrying about <laughs> that part that bacteria <laughs> Well, ladies, we're going to move on to the next topic. Uh, we're almost at the end of our session tonight. Um, for all of the listeners tuning in, we are Divine Femininity on the Wake Up Radio. And if you want to tune in, you can go to onthewakeupradio.com or otwtube.com or call in at 844-818-4433. And now we lead into spiteful exits and how many of us know just two weeks ago while doing a well-being check a texas police officer shot and killed a woman in her own home 
It's just the latest example of something like this happening. Here in Central Florida, a woman says the same thing happened to her when a police officer shot her in her own bed while doing a well-being check. Tonight, in an exclusive interview, that woman tells investigator Lewis Bolden she believes she was set up. Lewis? Lisa, set up by an ex-boyfriend. 49-year-old Bobby Sapp is a registered nurse and has no criminal past. That incident was two years ago. And next month, she goes on trial for attempted murder of a law enforcement officer. Because during that well-being check, police said she pulled a gun on them. Tonight, she says a well-being check was used as a tool to get police to her home, and now she is facing life in prison because of it. He used this wellness check as a way to get me, uh, to put me in harm's way and to get me out of my house. It was 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning in September of 2017. Well, Bobby Sapp was fast asleep in the Winter Park home she rented. 911 is on, it's recorded. She says her ex-boyfriend was calling Winter Park Police. I'm not too sure what I need. Um, my girlfriend was threatening suicide last night. I just came to the house and I'm trying to get in. It was a five minute, 34 second call. So uh, you have a gun? Uh, she is very well armed. That Sap says changed her life. She threatened suicide by cop before. I was asleep in my bed. I was not um, at all uh, contemplating a suicide or suicide by cop. When police arrived, Sapp's ex showed them how to enter the house. There's one way into the house, was she was crawl through a window, and I'm, I don't want to do that at this point. I want somebody here with me. One officer lifted a kitchen window, leaned in, and used a clothes hanger to unlock the back door, according to police. Meanwhile, the lead officer was still getting information from Sapp's ex. I'm asking if there's any weapons in the house. He tells me, there's enough weapons in the house to start a revolution. Then three officers made their way into the house, through the living room, and finally to Sapp's bedroom where they see her sleeping. I'm thinking about the call you know, the suicide by cop before. Veteran officer Jeff Markham describes in an interview with the Florida Department of Law Enforcement what happened next. We're yelling at her to, you know, let us see your hands, let us see your hands. I didn't have my glasses on. I'm legally blind. So... I didn't, I couldn't identify anybody. They uh, pulled the covers off of me. At that point when she pulled the cover, Ms. Sapp immediately came up with a handgun and pointed it right at us. Sapp admits she slept with two guns, saying she and her ex had been in a fight the night before and she feared it was him coming back to the house. She says she had taken a sleeping pill the night before, but did not point a gun at the officers. Then I remember getting tased. Markham said when Sapp wouldn't comply, one officer tased her. She still pointed the gun at us. It comes back toward me, then it goes back towards Lieutenant Lona and Officer Eller, and I, I fired around. Sapp was shot in the shoulder. If I had been pointing my gun in the way that they said that I was, why didn't they all shoot me instead of just one person? Do you think police uh, responded too aggressively? Yes. It doesn't make any sense that they would come in that way um, unless they were lied to um, by somebody who was using this well check as a tool um, to put me in harm's way. It's something that can happen to anyone.
We contacted Winter Park Police for a comment, but the chief said it would be inappropriate to comment since the case will be going to trial soon. The trial is expected to start next month. And you guys, I have to tell you, 20 years of doing this, mm -hmm. I have never had anyone do an interview before their trial, mm. but she felt so strongly about mm. getting her point out there. This is something that I know so many people are going to be talking about. A couple of questions for you. Did police try and knock on the door or identify themselves that they were the police? Very good question. They, the officer said during his interview with FDLE that they identified themselves when they walked into the house. But when asked if they identified themselves before they walked into the bedroom, he said, I don't know. Because she was okay. asleep at the she time. She was asleep. Right. That motherfucker. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe him. Um, yeah, that was just cold and callous and conniving. And why not just walk away? Why try to ruin someone's life? Why? Why be that vindictive? And the police are not going to admit that they were idiots and were played. So now they want to charge her while she was in the comfort of her home. So, yeah. Um, anybody else want to chime in on that? that that's crazy. Yeah, police need to know that they begin played a lot of times. Because I know... You know, it's a lot of brothers, not even so much brothers, but it's a lot of people that are out here on these streets that know how the cops move. They know how they question you. They know exactly what the protocol is, you know, because they've been in certain situations. You know, you got people that just learn cops behavior and learn the system so they can get out and do what they want to do. And, and they should always take that under consideration, you know, that a person could be manipulating them to get their way in some type of way. And to me, I feel like when you see stories like this, or even if you you talk to a cop in person, it almost seems like they don't always look for that all the time, all the time. Not saying that they don't, but they can be easily manipulated, like easily. She has enough weapons to start a revolution, but she's in her bed sleeping and, you know, uh, and they shot her anyway. They tased her and then they shot her. So why would you not bring uh, more backup? It's just a few cops to come in, climb through the window, but she has enough artillery to start a revolution. Uh, it was just done all wrong. But uh, the ex got what he wanted out of it. And that was for her to be embarrassed and humiliated. Um, but he caused her way more than he probably bargained for. Now she's being charged with pulling a weapon on a police officer in her bedroom. It's, you know, it's unbelievable to me. Sister Maxine or Angie, did you want to chime yeah. in on this? Um, and I was going to say that was allegedly because she said she did not pull the gun. So now it's the officer's cop against his. But my thing is. I don't know what, the, see, it's kind of, because we don't know the full backstory of what, what happened, but we know that the boyfriend sure knows how to be revengeful. Yes. She probably yes. never would have thought that he would have stooped that low to get whatever. Who knows what was involved in their relationship, but he knew the key words to say, cop by suicide. Yep. To get their attention, you know, to threaten her. And why did he need to get in the house? He didn't live there anymore. No. He didn't live there anymore. So what did he want? Now her whole life is being thrown. And then she's sleeping, caught off guard. That would have scared the shit out of me. 
if I would have woke up to cops being in my bedroom, you know, she, she, they would have had the right to pull the gun on her. She was sleeping. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Again, in certain cases, it's always a man's world where they can do stuff like that. And who knows if one of the cops was one of his friends? We don't know. Yeah. But now, at the end of the day, she now she has to prove her innocence in her own home. It's a sad story. I hope she beats this case. I really do. I do, too. Uh, honestly, I, I hope uh, they clear her name and her reputation. Um, that's something to have to carry. It definitely is. Well, sisters, we have two minutes left in this hour. And what we wanted to do is just go around the room and name three things that we are grateful for. And I'll start that before we end tonight's uh, show. And I wanna say that I'm grateful for sisterhood. I'm grateful for all of you ladies being placed in my life at the right time, um, at the right moment. And uh, it's been truly a blessing. I'm grateful for my kids. They're getting older um, and they're making me proud. And I'm just grateful for life, period. So those are my three things that I'm grateful for tonight. Sister Tormine. Well, I would like to say I'm, I'm definitely grateful for life. I'm very grateful for life. I am grateful for my children. And I am grateful for my family. And you guys are my family. So, yes, those are the three things that I am grateful for. Not just my blood family, but y'all my family too. You know, sisters, you know, this is sisterhood. We all family. All right, Sister Angie. I'm grateful for waking up every day. Um, always grateful for my family. And um just grateful just to just to be me, that I can just be myself. That's a beautiful thing. I like that. Uh sister sister Maxine. Yes, um, I'm grateful to be waking up each and every day. I'm grateful for family, and I am absolutely grateful for this sisterhood that we have here. You know, and I do also say that the timing has been um, impeccable. Meeting all of you beautiful sisters, I'm grateful for all. Of you. Thank you. Now that's love. All right, Empress Cindy, what are your three things that you're grateful for? I am grateful for you, ladies. Shout out to Leticia. We missed you, Monica, Crystal. Yes. Shout out to you, ladies. Uh, Carrie B. And, you know, everyone has schedule. I'm grateful for you, ladies, and for opening up. I'm grateful that I'm alive, well, and breathing. And I'm definitely grateful that I might not be able to bend my legs back. I can bend over. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, ladies, with that being said, this is the end of our show tonight. We had some really good topics. I enjoyed each and everyone's point of views. And we must get back together on uh, Wednesday and do this all over again. Hopefully, there'll be some real um, hot topics taking place from here to Wednesday. Something that is, is always something going on out there in the world, in the in the in the universe that we can uh, spill some tea on, and it's been a pleasure 
um, gathering with you ladies and sharing our points of views. Thank you all viewers for listening in to On The Wake Up Radio with the wonderful Cindy Ashby and her productions. She is amazing. Sister Letitia that could not be here tonight with us, but she's listening in. Thank you so much. She is our host every Sunday night at eight and every Wednesday night at eight. And this is Divine Femininity on the Wake Up Radio Show. Thanks. Peace and blessings to you all. Stay safe until we see each other again on Wednesday. Take care, ladies. Thank you all. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Diane. Cindy Ashby On the wake up. How to sign up for OTWT. Type in OTWTube in your browser. It will bring up the home page. Then you click the little man with the plus sign to open up an account. Use your best email. Select a username and then enter a good, secure password. Now you're at the home page. Click the key to log in to your account using your password with your username. Now search in the search bar for OTW2, which is the page we're going to subscribe to. Click subscribe. Click add as friend as well as click where the videos are. Click on a video to view, like that video, as well as comment. And your exercise is done. Thank you for your support.